Welcome to the DNVGL Talks Energy podcast series. Electrification, rise of renewables and new technologies supported by more data and IT systems are transforming the power system. Join us each week as we discuss these changes with guests from around the industry. Welcome to a new episode of DNVGL Talks Energy. My guest today is Wouter van Versch, President and CEO of GE Asia Pacific and Vice President GE. Welcome, Wouter. Hi. What we want to discuss today is um, basically the transition around us on a technology level, but also on an energy level. So we have an energy transition ahead, but technologies like digitalization and, and related matters are also giving us transition on technology. And we want to discuss a little bit GE's role in, in this environment. But before we go there, it would be great if you could introduce yourself as a person, as well as your role in GE and your part of GE you're looking after. Okay, great. Thank you for inviting me here. So, uh, yes, I'm from Holland and uh, actually I've been working in a number of companies uh, over my career. Uh, in total, I spent about 15 years working in, in and around and for Asia. Uh, and now I'm back uh, eight years actually in Singapore, where I started actually, uh, I came for Alstom, the French engineering company. And when Alstom got acquired by GE, I joined GE. And I'm now the president and CEO for the Asia-Pacific region, uh, covering the whole of the GE group, so all the different activities. Right. Very good. Um, we are recording here at the site of Sioux. Uh, I come back to this later, but uh, the, the topic we have here to discuss at this event is invest, innovate and integrate. And um, I would be interested how, how you see this, how well this is going looking at these transitions uh, globally, but especially also for your region here in ASEAN? So look, I think ASEAN, if you look at the energy, from an energy perspective, uh, there's a huge demand. Every single country still needs to buy and build a lot of equipment to generate more electricity. Um, so, so the timing of this issue is, is I think, great. And, and all the discussions that are taking place are really spot on, uh, bringing together the industry players and, and discussing together, okay, how are we going to proceed? Uh, ASEAN needs uh, a lot of di different things, I would say. So first of all, in terms of electricity, there's a, there's a big mix that is needed. Uh, countries need to invest in the generation, but not only in the generation, also in the transmission. Because when you produce electricity, you need to bring it to the users. And I think there's still a big deficit in terms of the, the distribution networks around, around the region. So that's, of course, one of the, the big topics that's also been discussed. Um, besides this, of course, innovation and bringing new technologies uh, are also key. And digital has been discussed a lot and, and will bring a lot of positives for the market, actually, in terms of the, the generation. Hmm. You just mentioned innovation, new technologies, digitalization. This is going around on every conference we are going to these days. And uh, there's a lot of hype about new stuff coming, startups being there. And uh, I have a twofold question there for you, also linking back to GE's history. Uh, GE has a huge heritage, 1892, uh, founded. Um, it is a, one of the largest players uh, in that field in the world. Um, the questions are going two directions. Number one is uh, how does GE, by having so many uh, disruptors maybe around, uh, still drive a major part of the innovation we see? Or let, let me better say, companies like GE. 
So it's a bit like corporate innovation. What role does it play in these days? But then also interestingly, uh, through such a long time with so many changes in technology, with so many changes in uh, economy and what are the pain points, how do you renew yourself as GE, as such an industry giant, to stay relevant? So that's a very good question. It, uh, it's one of the key pillars, I think, of the, the fact that GE has been around for 127 years. So we are constantly reviewing the way we, we work. We're constantly reviewing what's happening around us and, and deciding if what we do is relevant or not. We have also been instrumental in launching new activities and, and launching fundamentally new industries. Um, so, so that's something that's in the DNA. People know it. We are constantly looking at what's happening outside and, and trying to, to learn and to see the opportunities. So if I look at the, the, the power generation field, um, of course, historically, GE is a great, big player in terms of the gas business, gas power generation and wind. Um, when we acquired the Alstom company, we, we also got back quite heavily in hydro, uh, also in coal generation. Um, and, and now as a company, we, we work on gradually improving the existing technologies we have, being constantly more efficient, having better equipment, being able to generate more power for our users. But at the same time, we're leveraging the new technologies. So we discussed about digital recently. Um, we launched our digital strategy about seven years ago. And since we have developed a whole operating system, really focusing on the industrial internet of things, uh, and we are using this to capture data coming from all the equipment we have around the world, the terabytes of data, uh, capturing them, analyzing them, making sense of them, and afterwards providing information to the users, to our, the utilities around the world, how they can make better use of their equipment. And we're doing this in the electricity power market, but we're also doing that, of course, with our jet engines in the aviation space or in healthcare. So across all the activities, we, we leverage digital and make this a big added value on, uh, on improving the performance. Maybe a second pillar that's also quite interesting, we've, we've also invested heavily in additive manufacturing recently, um, 3D printing, which, which is a big revolution in terms of uh, all the manufacturing industries. So it does touch a lot our industries, but it also touches the automotive. And, and I think there's probably not many industries that are not touched by, by this. And, and the idea is simple. In the past, you, you know, we used to cast equipment. Now we are printing it. So um, our fuel nozzles, a very strategic piece in the gas turbine, is now printed, um, which, which enables you to provide stronger, lighter uh, uh, equipment that needs less maintenance in the long run. But it also helps you to innovate more because... In the past, you would develop a new piece of equipment. Uh, this would take months, and then you start to test it, which will take again some time. Now we can simply, using 3D printers, we print it, and within a couple of days, you can test the piece of equipment. So I think that's another big change and a revolution in the manufacturing world, the additive world. 
That's a really interesting field. And uh, maybe taking that as a benefit now, having you here talking about this, I have an, an additional question for this. Um, we are discussing this inside DNVGL as well. What, what is our role in the bit of manufacturing? And then we try to understand a little bit how that will reshape many, maybe the manufacturing or also the OEM business. And I think the two questions uh, are there where we thought it, it would be interesting to find out what happens there. So one part is uh, there's a lot of money made by doing maintenance and providing spare parts uh, to equipment. But if suddenly everybody can print it, uh, then uh, so how do OEMs handle that situation? Is this is it at all something uh, which we will see happening? Um, and then uh, another uh, interesting part is how do we keep IP of designs because suddenly they're digital and they might roam around on servers or whatever and are approachable. What is G's answer to this? Or what is your answer to this, I should say? Look, it's it's indeed a very interesting question because especially the, the cannibalizing of the, the maintenance revenues because this is fundamentally what's happening. Um, so this will happen. Uh, but as GE, look, we we will we're not going to fight against this. This is the way to go. So either you embark on this revolution or you don't. And and we've definitely decided that this this is the only way to go. So yes, there will be more. Uh, there will be less maintenance. It will be easier to to generate to to produce spare parts uh, on the location, and 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 you will won't have to, you know, take equipment, bring it to a faraway place. So it will have actually a very positive impact also on the environment because mm-hmm. there will be less transport. So there's a lot of aspects which which are very good. So we've we've fully embarked on this, and um, and the fact that uh, um, it's it's it will reduce the maintenance. Now to come to your second question, our customers still need to have hundred percent reliable equipment. So having a, a, a pirate printing. A, a, a piece of equipment that will be pushed in a gas turbine or in a jet engine, and therefore uh, actually uh, ending the warranty that that the OEM gives, uh, I don't think that customers will take that risk. So, so it will ultimately help them on the maintenance cycle, but they will, I say, I think, continue to go with the OEMs because they are the ones that that master their equipment and that. That have, of course, all the drawings, and uh, so so I don't see a, a big risk on this. Right. Thank you. I try to tie us back to the energy revolution. Now we have talked about the digital revolution. Now we talk about the manufacturing revolution, which wasn't the plan. But great, we did it, and uh, now we talk about the energy uh, transformation. So DMVGL has issued an energy transition outlook. Uh, is looking ahead to 2050, and one interesting thing we see that is there's a lot of development going on in this part of the world. ASEAN, but also especially India and China, uh, massive uh, upbuild of the grid, uh, massive deployment of of renewables. Um, And also GE obviously has some focus on this region because GE has created a new Asia-Pacific region, which you are responsible for. So I would like to uh, hear a bit about your view about the potential of this region with regards to the energy transition. So look, I think APEC is is a great region. And, uh, and if you look across all the different countries, there's great potential. Of course, it's very different. You've got very mature markets like Japan, Korea, Australia, Singapore, where, where we are today. Um, and you have countries that, that need everything, 
Laos, Cambodia, Myanmar. So there's, there's, there's really different speeds and, and different, different requirements. But globally speaking, there's a big need for more infrastructure. And, and I think it all starts with electricity, actually, because without power, you, you can't do much more anymore uh, nowadays. Huh? It's really becoming a, a, a basic right, actually, for everybody. And, uh, and in ASEAN, yeah, there's still 65 million people that don't have access to this basic right. So, uh, so I'm very, very bullish. We've been here, as you, as you mentioned, for a long time. We started actually in the Philippines when we brought electricity to the Real streets. This, uh, this, this was the start of GE in the region. And ever since, we've been there to build out the infrastructure. Uh, with with a lot of people, sixteen thousand employees all across the region, present in every every country. So uh, yeah, I'm always very bullish on the region, and uh, even if the world around us is is maybe nowadays a bit shaky, um, I'm very hopeful. And and the Sioux was a good example when you bring the key stakeholders together, like you had all the ministers of energy at the event. Um, they all have the same goals. They need to, uh, of course, get a lot of agreement because ASEAN is, uh, is a region but still needs a lot of more cooperation. But I think that events like you are, are great to bring people together and to get uh, everybody aligned on what is needed in the region. Right. Staying in the region, I think uh, we also hear from this region going back to COP21 maybe a lot of agreement that people are concerned about climate change things have to happen to mitigate it or slow it down. Um, but then on the other hand, um, when we look into the primary energy demand uh, of ASEAN, it's peaking 10 years behind uh, the global primary energy demand peaking. So there is still some coal going online in the region. Um, we are not quite there on that path to really have the energy transition in some of the countries but what 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 do you think what what is your view on this on this development and what are maybe potential um let's say accelerators to to move faster even in this region also to prevent maybe having stranded assets standing here a coal power plant which is, is only operating for 10 years and then goes offline so look i i uh, there's a lot of things happening um if you look i will, i firmly believe in an energy mix uh, at this at this moment, there's a, there's a strong push for renewables. I think that's definitely the way to go. More wind, more solar, more hydro. If it's done, of course, in the right way, uh, that's that's where the future is heading. And all this, the, also this region is going into this direction. But as you mentioned earlier on, there's still a lot of electricity needed, and you need baseload. So there's a clear role to play for gas turbines, and there's a lot of new gas plants that are built around the region. And even coal, at this moment, there will be new coal built in ASEAN um, for the foreseeable next five to ten years, because simply there's still a lot of need to ele on electricity. So, so if I look at the, the, the transition that's happening, more renewables, um, more decentralized power generation, I think that's, uh, that's one of the major challenges, actually, that we have to address. We discussed about the grid earlier on. Uh, we need to have the right grid to be able to cope with this distributed power. Uh, we need a smarter grid. We have a number of initiatives on, on smart grids in the region, 
and and definitely that's another aspect on on where to go um then one other one which which we are focusing on a lot is uh, you have a big installed base of of power generation the installed base is much linked to coal and and i think we can have a very positive impact on the environment by addressing the installed base by upgrading retrofitting bringing the latest technology uh, to these power plants will have actually a very strong impact on reducing the emissions um, of the traditional pollutants, but also of CO2 in the region. In this whole energy transition, um, stakeholders like governments have a key role to play. If you look at what's happened in other parts of the world, like in Europe or, or, or the US, uh, new industries like renewable have been kick-started through uh, feed-in tariffs, for example. So if you look at Asia at this moment, as, and especially the, the countries that have put in place a feed-in tariff, this has had a tremendous impact on the development of wind, for example, in Australia or in Thailand or, or in Vietnam, for, for example. So I think governments need to put in place the right uh, environment, uh, sometimes the right uh, in, in, uh, incentives in order to get industry starting. Um, and I think that's what's happening now in, in ASEAN. Uh, governments do realize this and they're taking the right steps. Right. But uh, unfortunately, we are coming slowly to the end of this episode already. But I have one last question for you. Um, what is your main takeaway of the Singapore International Energy Week this year? Look, I think my main takeaway is the fact that the industry as a whole, the whole energy ecosystem in, in the region is is starting to really discuss together much more actively than what I've seen over the last seven, eight years since I'm in Singapore. There's a, everybody is conscious that we need to take actions. Um, everybody is conscious that ASEAN needs to be a, a unified region, that we need to address the energy uh, opportunities as a region all together. And I think that was really my main takeaway. Um, the other one would be on the on the balance mix of of energy, uh, the fact that renewables is really growing and and that everybody really uh, is strongly supporting this, but that you will still need a lot of gas uh, and potentially, as I mentioned, some coal to to uh, be successful and to bring the electricity that is needed. Thank you very much, Walter, for your interesting insights. Um, that was Wouter van Wersch, President and CEO of GE Asia Pacific and Vice President GE. Thank you for listening to this DNVGL Talks Energy podcast. To hear more podcasts in the series, please visit dnvgl.com slash talksenergy.